phrases that are often uh, spoken at the end of a meeting. So, uh, and I imagine, uh, and I've been sober for, as I said, 33 years, and um, when I got sober, people would say a prayer at the end of the meeting, and then they would say, keep coming back, it works. And then at a certain point, people started to add in another phrase, it works if you work it. Makes sense. And then after a while, I guess these people started to ooze out of treatment centers with the phrase, so work it because you're worth it. Uh, So I want to talk about these lines um, and how they relate to recovery and to Dharma, to Buddhism. Um, keep coming back itself is what I would call the just do it of recovery right it's just you know when you're new to a program and you don't know what's going on and you don't know what to do and or how to they what are these steps and what am, you know how does this all work you know people just say just keep coming back you know and, and it's it's actually um, uh, well yeah it's just it's just the sort of the simplest uh, statement and uh, so the the rest of this kind of builds on that so keep coming back it works um, it works is the reason why you should keep coming back right. And, but, but it works is a statement of faith, you know. It's not claiming uh, any kind of a process. It's just saying, trust me, it works. So, um, so we could say that that parallels step two. For those of you who don't know the steps or have memorized them, step two. Step one says we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, drugs, uh, food, sex, Rock and roll, not rock and roll. Rock and roll is not an addiction. That's a healthy, um, and our, our lives have become unmanageable. So we, we we kind of talk about step one is about powerlessness, but it's also sort of the, the the beginning of recovery. Step two is we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So step two is a statement of faith that we came to believe something that that some process through this so-called power greater than ourselves was going to do something for us. And so keep coming back, it works, is kind of saying this process, there's, there's power in this, it's going to work. But it doesn't really tell you, <laughs> you have to kind of take it on faith, I think. Uh, the third part, keep coming back, it works, if you work it, aha, now we're talking about karma. Karma means action. Right, cause and effect. It work. This is a really critical point, right? You know, keep coming back. Yeah, that's good. It works, but it doesn't work by magic. You know, you can go to plenty of meetings and not get sober, not get clean, not really get it. Uh, it's not really just going to work on you. You have to kind of work on it. So it's a critical turn in this 
in this phrasing. It works if you work it. So now it's no longer just trust in a higher power. It's the responsibility is back on you. Which I, I always find it interesting, the emphasis in the 12-step world on just trust God and you've got to believe in God and your higher power. You, you know, and, but that's the words that people speak. But what I see is that people work it. <laughs> right, a lot of times the people who are speaking the loudest about God are working the hardest at their program. You know, it's not, it's not that they just sit back and go, like, oh, okay, God, fix me, solve my problems, bring me money. You know, it. There, we're out there. You know, right. So it's because here we have this program which, like, oh, turn my will and my life over to the care of God. But one of the key phrases we hear about the program is it's a program of action. I've never heard anybody say it's a program of faith. You know, it's not a program of faith. No matter how much you talk about God and the steps, it's not a program of faith, it's a program of action, in my opinion. Just don't want to offend anybody. You, you might you could be right. I could be wrong. I this is how I see it. But so if you work it now you're engaged, you're in the process, right? You're, you're, you're doing the work. Then this fourth one, so work it because you're worth it, you know. Which I always thought was cheesy, you know. I mean, partly because it's got this inter- internal bad rhyme. Work, work and worth don't really rhyme. Work it because you're worth it, you know. Eh. Um, but people get sober and then they start writing poetry, you know. It's just <laughs> one of the things that happens. Bad poetry, usually. As an aside, my friend Wes Nisker, who for 25 years edited the Buddhist mag- magazine Inquiring Mind, he said at the end of every big retreat, they would get this huge influx of bad poetry from all the people who'd been on the, the silent retreat, you know. So just... Next time you're at the end of a retreat, just consider if you're going to... Sh- you can find to write the poetry, just maybe don't share it. <laughs> so, uh, I'm glad you're laughing because, you know, uh, I, this is my way of expressing love, this sarcasm. My brother arrived at the door yesterday and I started making fun of his eating habits, you know, accusing him of having an eating disorder. And he was with his brother-in-law, the brother of his wife who passed away, and I had never met his brother-in-law and he was looking at me like, what the hell, we just got here and he's like harassing him, what's going on? And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, you have to understand, this is like what we do in our family. At least that's my excuse. You always have to have an excuse. Okay, you shouldn't have an excuse. I admit it. That's, that's not true. That's not recovery. Okay, so, moving right along. To, uh, now I want to make the, direct, the connection between these lines and Buddhism and Buddhist practice. Keep coming back is the instruction that you get every time you're taught meditation. Keep coming back to your breath, Right? The exact same phrase. I'm often teaching, and I'm th- and I'm saying it, and I'm like laughing internally, going, "I'm just, I just said, keep coming back. It's like, it's just like the end of a meeting. 
So, uh, keep coming back. It works. Is you know the, when you show up to do meditation, you don't know, right? You've heard about it. You've read about it. You have some idea, some image of what's going to happen. But you're here really on faith when you, when you start meditation practice. You're here on, on the faith or the trust that if I show up and try, try to keep coming back, that it'll work. And it works if you work it. <laughs> you know, if you meditate once a month, you get what you get, right? You know, it's, it's, you can't like sit down and meditate and there's all this magic that happens and your life gets fixed or your mind gets perfectly pure and enlightened. You know, it takes this, this ongoing work. So again, the law of karma is built into this, into these phrases. Actions bring results. The nature of the actions are what determine the nature of the results. It's one of the realities that human beings don't really want to have to accept. You know, we want to be able to do what we want to do and get what we want to get. But rarely can you do that. You know, you have to. This is what I call living in harmony with the law of karma, which is how I actually define what step three is about turning our will in our lives over to the care of God as we understood him, if we can put aside him, and probably God as well, but we're turning our will in our lives over to the powers that be, to the power of the universe, to the power of the Dharma, and if you want to call it God, that's fine. But what you're saying, it's not a passive thing, turning it over. It kind of sounds passive. Turning it over is asking, what's the wise and skillful thing to do in this moment? And then doing it. Right? The, our impulse, as I've been talking about earlier, is going to be driven by our cravings, by our reactivity. I want this, I crave that, I don't like that, I want to get rid of that. But those impulses and cravings are very often if we act on them, are not going to bring the actual results that we want, the thing that we're actually striving for, because those impulsive parts of the mind are not thoughtful. They don't, they don't understand broader concepts. They don't understand cause and effect. They just know what they want, and they want it now. And you know, to transform ourselves or in our lives, we have to stop acting on those impulses, right? This is fundamental to recovery. And we have to be able to literally stop and let the mind process to the point that we can reflect because the reactive, impulsive parts of the mind are the ones that operate fastest. Those are the survival mechanisms that protect us in moments of danger that we just jump. We jump out of the way of the car. You know, all those, those things that you know, um, evolution has, has 
have developed in us, but the higher centers of the brain that are able to reflect and actually look at cause and effect and consider wisely how, what actions to take, it actually takes longer for those th- parts of the brain to engage and to operate. So we, this is one of the purposes of developing a mindfulness practice, that it teaches us to pause, to literally stop internally and externally before doing things, before thinking things, before deciding things, to literally stop and allow the higher centers of the brain to engage and process. So that's, so living in harmony with the law of karma requires that we stop and reflect and say, oh, how does karma work exactly? Oh, if I steal this thing, it could actually learn to lead to some very bad consequences. Even though I want it right now and I would really like to just grab it, you know, I think it'd probably be better if I talked to somebody and said, would it be possible for me to borrow this? Or how much do these, where can I purchase this? I mean, just, you know, random example. But just this idea of, like, you know, living in harmony with the law of karma, it's not that complicated. Uh, you know, that, the old piece, and this was something I saw early in recovery too, everything I needed to know about life I learned in kindergarten. Remember that one? Some of you do. Maybe it came and went as a, as a meme. But, uh, you know, we kind of know right from wrong, you know, when we reflect, when we take time. But it requires us to stop and reflect, right? Most of the things that we do unwisely in our lives are things that we didn't really reflect about, that we acted impulsively about. So keep coming back. It works if you work it. If you live in harmony with the law of karma. If you take the next right action, which is another like 12-step phrase, which is a funny one, right? Take the next right action. Like, how do I know what the right action is? The implication is that you do know. You know, take the next right action. Nobody says, like, you have to figure out what's right and wrong. There's sort of this, maybe you, maybe you do know. Well, that, that comes up later, and it certainly comes up in the, in the 11th step when we're, the idea of knowing God's will. And then, so work it because you're worth it, uh, is again very much um, what Buddhists say. You are worthy of love. You know, you are worthy of, of taking care of yourself. You should take care of yourself. You're, you're okay. You're not as bad as you think. It's a statement of compassion and love. So, I, I, this is just one of the things that I enjoy doing, which is take apart some simple phrase and really reflect on its wisdom, on the, its inherent wisdom. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. So work it because you're worth it. <laughs> well, uh, but, but even just returning to this first phrase, keep coming back. Uh, I, one thing about it is that it is it it does also embody one of the key uh, teachings of recovery, which is the teaching on showing up right 
and not running away and and on continuity um, and again, this has its parallel in meditation that the magic of meditation unfolds over time on over extend you know continuous practice and you know, and and the magic of recovery as well you know there's a reason why people track the amount of time that they've been in recovery it's not just so they can brag to their friends but it's understanding that um, when we're engaged in a spiritual practice that there is a an ongoing evolution that happens so that and that when we interrupt that uh, when we stop meditating or we you know we relapse uh, that 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 evolution is is undercut and that you know we we have to come back you know um, and maybe we're not starting from scratch again but we we have to rebuild that and obviously keep coming back also i think probably at its core maybe the origins of it i don't know what the origins of it but are but i imagine that a big part of its origin is to address the relapser and to say you know keep coming back even if you relapse. I mean, I think that's probably the most important part of that statement. Uh, because, as we know, you know, if the abstinence violation effect that I mentioned before, you know, that can be easy that we relapse and then we say, oh, well, it's not worth it. I'm no, I can't do it. Or, you know, I can't, I can't go back and face my home group or whatever it is. And this, this idea of keep coming back is... The kind of a, a statement of forgiveness. It's a it's an all encompassing uh, statement of forgiveness that you are always welcome to come back. I love that part of the program. That I'm sure anybody who's been in recovery for a long time has seen people who seem to be just chronic relapsers who eventually got it and then did they and you're like, wow, I never thought you'd get it. Like saw you come and go so many times and then here you are. Like, wow, now you've got 10 years, really? Man, I remember when you had those six DUIs in a row, you know. There is someone in Berkeley like that. Uh-huh. She's got like 20 years now. Um, there was one more thing I was going to say about keep coming back. can't remember what it is now. So that seems like enough, probably. Um, so what I actually want to do is have our afternoon meditation. So let's have another sit.